0: It's good to be with you this morning, and thank you, worship team. It's good to be on the platform with Sonia. Glad she's here. And um, boy, it's, this room was filled last week. Uh, not sure where you had a chance to worship for Easter, but many were here. And uh, of course, reminded all together of the reality of the resurrection that it changed everything, it changed history, it changes everything in our lives as well. And, of course, it's not just Easter we celebrate that. Every single weekend we come together, we celebrate the resurrection, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the risen, the risen Christ. Um, there, there's some evidence you know, in Scripture that right after the resurrection of Jesus, there was a little bit of confusion among the disciples, as if they were asking the question, now what? Now what do we do? Maybe you wonder that. Now what do I do as a, as a Christian? And the answer for them and the answer for us comes in a book in the Bible, the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. And uh, this is exciting to me. There's 28 chapters for the next 28 weeks starting today. We're going to be studying the book of Acts. And um, I, there's, there's nothing like reading the Bible for yourself uh, to spiritually grow. And that's why in your worship bulletin this morning, we provided a reading schedule for this week, preparing you for next week. So follow that. If you want to go online, we have the same reading schedule there. Just go to that uh, website at the top and you'll find it there. But there's nothing like reading the Bible for yourself. And this will prepare you for the next week's message. One other thing Um each wednesday we're going to send out a little video on social media and that video will cover some of the things that we were unable to get to in the previous weekend because each chapter is rather long we can only do so much so be on the lookout for that so here we go the book of acts which you know really it talks about how the church was formed what the church is to be about And what you and I, the chapel, what we are to be about in every other place that calls itself the local church, right? This is how Acts chapter 1 begins. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. What do we know so far? We know there's two books. He wrote a first book. Every reputable scholar believes that the author of the book of Acts is Luke, is the Gentile physician, meticulous chronicler of events, Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, recording the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. His sequel is the book of Acts. And in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, he's writing to this guy named Theophilus, which just means friend of God. Hey, if you're a friend of God, this is to you also. So Luke continues now. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles. And from time to time, uh, from time to time, and he approved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. If you read through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that Luke and the other gospel writers, uh, they're clear that Jesus embodied the kingdom of God He talked about the kingdom of God, and he lived out the the values of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. And then the book of Acts is how the kingdom of heaven spreads around the world in the hearts of true Christ followers. Luke continues. Once, when he was eating with them... He commanded them, Jesus commanded them, his followers, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hey, you you can't drive a car without an engine. You you can't fly a plane without two wings. You, you, You can't build a really good house without a really good foundation. You can't. And a local church can't be a local church and be a part of of societal change apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. As a a Christ follower, you can't grow spiritually and become more like Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so the Old Testament points toward the time, and Jesus especially points toward the time, when God will pour out his Spirit into the hearts of of Christ's followers. To be baptized in the Spirit simply means to be immersed in the Spirit or for the Holy Spirit to come and live within you and to indwell your life. Luke continues. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. Not for you to know. The, 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 the apostles, the disciples, they were still caught up with the idea of Jesus establishing the, the, the original glory of the kingdom of Israel on earth, bringing the physical kingdom of heaven to earth. Now, if you know your Bible and if you've read to the end, Revelation, you know one day when Jesus comes again, the kingdom of heaven is going to be here physically. But between this day and that day, the kingdom of heaven is going to spread around the world in the hearts and lives of people. And Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you and me, don't worry about dates and times when I'm going to return. I just want you to be concerned about one thing. Just one thing. Just one concern. And the next verse I'm going to show you is that one concern. This next verse I'm going to show you is what frames the outline of the entire book of Acts. It's what projects the history of of the church down through history, right up to today, it also clearly states what you and I and the chapel, any local church, is to be about. Isn't that interesting? Here's the answer to, now what? (laughs) But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that's going to happen in chapter 2. Stay tuned for next week. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wow. That's it. And then, after Jesus' very last words, and last words matter, don't they? Luke writes these words. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were were watching, and they could no longer see him, poof, Jesus is gone. Now what do we do? (laughs) That's all right. Jesus is about to send his spirit, and they already know what to do. They're to be his witnesses by God's spirit in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What in the world does that mean for you and me? For the chapel, what is our dynamic equivalent of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? And I want to walk us through that. Some of the things that are going on today in this church but first, before I do that, let me just ask you why. Why, would you why. why should we even be concerned with being witnesses for Jesus? Well, number one, because he tells us to. If you're a Christ follower, that matters. But secondly, if you are a, a believer in Jesus, if you are a member of God's family, if God has brought you into his family through your faith in Christ, let me just say and remind us that that's nothing you did on your own. That was by God's pure grace that he brought you into his family. And by his grace, he's allowed you to believe in Jesus and you are knitted into his family. And so now, as Christ's followers, we are to take the same grace we've received, the same love we received, the same compassion we've received, and be reflectors of that into the world nearby and far away in ever-widening circles. That's our job. So. Let me walk us through the dynamic equivalence of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth for us as we get started in the book of Acts. So first, we hear about Jerusalem. We could call that sharing across the fence. Another way of saying it is the people who God has placed right around your life, naturally. Years ago, I was listening to a church leader by the name of Bill Hull talk, and he he asked a a room full of pastors, when is the church most effective? And of course, every pastor in the room is probably thinking, well, probably when I give the message, you know. He said, no. The church is most effective when the cars are gone, when the lights are off, when the chairs are empty, when people are no longer here. We sit in a church building, but we are the church scattered throughout our community. It's, It's exciting for us pastors and church staff, to see you come here on Sundays, on the weekends. But i got to tell you, for me, it's even more exciting to see you leave. Forgive me, but I mean that in a good way. Because now we are the church scattered throughout the community. At Sandusky Campus, they're looking at Erie County. At Port Clinton Campus, they're looking at Ottawa County. We're looking at Huron County. I just want to ask you, when you look at that, where do you live? Where, Where do you shop? Where does your team practice? Where do you go to school? Where do you work? Where do you exercise? And on and on. Because if we were to put pins up there, we'd see that we are scattered strategically, sovereignly by God, his church out there making a difference. At the chapel, we, we talk about my three. It could be four, five, or eight. It doesn't matter. The, the, the people... The people God has naturally placed in the circles of influence in your life. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker, It could be a neighbor. It could be anybody. It could be the person you exercise with, ride bikes with, whatever. How do you influence them? This person who may still not know what it means to have a personal relationship with God through Christ. What's our role? What do we do with my three? Here are three things. This is how you witness in your Jerusalem. Just simply pray. Pray that God would open their hearts to God. Pray that God would open their eyes to the message of the gospel. And then simply invest in their life. That simply means to to come alongside them, to be a friend to that person just as Jesus has been a friend to you. Spend time with them, enter into their world, ask them questions, be interested. Interest begets interest. And then invite, whoops, let me go back, invite. Invite them to hear your story. Invite them to church. Invite them to your small group. Invite them to dinner. Invite them to look at the Bible with you. I believe, I've seen this over the years, that when I have a relationship, a friendship with somebody and they trust me, they'll actually welcome an opportunity to look at the Bible in a very simple way. God has wired them to know him. So, so that's how to be a witness in your Jerusalem. Now, I want to talk about Judea, Samaria, and at the ends of the earth. And what does that look like for us as a church? You know, periodically, as a, as a, as a pastor, I'm asked this. And this is for many years in, in my other church, too. Um, people will ask, tell me, what is, how is the church involved outside the walls? What kind of influence does it have in people's lives? What kind of difference is it making in people's lives? How are the church's financial funds invested outside the walls? And, and, and the answers to those questions should be important to you if you're a part of this church. So let me walk, let me start with, with the idea of Judea, which is just sharing across town and across the region, making a difference. I once heard someone say: look, if 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 your church, if the if the chapel ceased to exist today, would anyone notice? Would they? As a church, we simply want to make a footprint for Jesus in our community, in our region. And you know, we we can't do everything. But we can do some things. And we have to figure out what those some things are. I brought a cheat sheet up here with me to walk you through some of the the things that we get to do as a church. In downtown Sandusky, it's so exciting to see this ministry called Nehemiah Center impacting kids' lives who are just so, there's so much poverty and so much, they're disenfranchised. No dad in the house. Um, In our community and the other counties, we're involved with pregnancy crisis centers we're helping to literally save lives but come alongside young moms and dads. Habitat for Humanity is something we've been involved with this summer even more so. At our Port Clinton campus, they had a worship night downtown for the church but for anybody who came where people got to hear great music and the message of Jesus. This church, this campus, the Norwalk campus, takes a lead role in the annual Love Norwalk event We combine with other churches to meet practical needs of people downtown in the name of Jesus. Every week you walk, every month, you walk into the the lobby and you'll see a sign that says curbside carryout. And it's an opportunity for us to bring food and paper products to meet the needs of people in our community. We partner with pantries who help people in need in the name of Jesus. Every year in September, we do a thing called warming the homeless. Last year, seven tons of clothing. Thank you. This is, this is why the church sends teams at times to natural disaster places, whether it's a hurricane on the, on the, on the Gulf Coast or whether it's uh, tornadoes in Kentucky. We try to go and help clean up and, and rebuild in the name of Christ. It's why we offer just very practical care groups for those who are dealing with cancer or for those who are dealing with the loss of a loved one. I could go on and on and on. All of the ministries I just mentioned, by the way, have a need for help. (laughs) Volunteers. That's us. It's it's us providing our time and our talent and our treasure where we can. Does something ring a bell with you? Get involved. That's what it means to be a witness across town and across our region. Again, we can't do everything, but we can do some things. Let's talk about Samaria. Samaria. Stepping across the tack, track, sharing across it, witnessing across it. What does that mean? You, you know, every culture, I think. You can go to India, and, and, and there, there, the, the deletes, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the people at the bottom of the, the caste system are looked down upon. You can go to Burundi, you'll hear about this in a few moments, the Batwa, the pygna, pygmies, they are shunned and they are oppressed. You could go to Romania and see that the gypsies are shunned and oppressed. The the Nazis had the inferior race theory. And the Jews at the time of Jesus, they looked down upon whom? The Samaritans, those half-breeds. Don't go near Samaria. Don't step across those tracks. And yet Jesus challenges his followers. No, you go to Samaria. You step across those tracks, which is why we as a church, we want to get better at this, but what about the growing Hispanic community in our area? We should be doing something. We want to do something more. We're looking at opportunities. What about about the 2,000 international students who who show up at Vacation Land, Sandusky in this area, with J-1 visas? There's an opportunity to come alongside them and, and, and befriend them and host them. I was just riding my bike yesterday. I passed by a group of J-1 visa students walking. Right now, I'm in conversations with Cleveland and some people in Sandusky trying to figure out how do we as a church help take the lead in actually bringing refugees from Ukraine and Afghanistan to this location? We need the workers. They need the love. And they need Jesus. We hope that when people come to this church who may have a different belief and maybe a different behavior than what you're familiar with or what the Bible might call for, we hope that they will find a place here where they can belong and feel like, well, I'm at home here, and then give us a chance to talk with them about Jesus. That's sharing across the tracks. But let me ask you, what does it look like for you personally to share across the tracks? You know the story of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan is coming along and he gets off his donkey and he stoops down to pick up this Jewish man. They hated each other, but he, out of love, he stoops down and helps this man and brings them to the point of healing. Who is it that God has placed in your life who might be of a different color, a different language, a different socioeconomic status, a different gender persuasion, a different political persuasion, and on and on and on. Who is it? you could reach out to, step across the tracks. That's being a witness in Samaria. Let me go on. To the ends of the earth. That's just everywhere in the world. We are blessed to be partnered with some really good people around the world. And I want to show you their pictures in a minute. October one. We're going to have a global missions conference right here at our three campuses. And you'll get to meet some of these people. But for example, Roger and Carolyn Tomlinson, they run a really cool ministry in Mexico. And they have a, they have a house, I've been to it, a house for kids without parents, orphans. They plant churches. They meet practical needs. This is Bobby and Lynette Gupta. Bobby, you can't really see his picture, but Bobby's in the, in the picture of the, the group of people standing there at the lower part and Bobby is the, is the president of what's called Hindustan Bible Institute in Chennai, India. They, I mean, they just meet the practical needs of people, and they have seven or eight training stations throughout India where they train men and women to be planters of churches. Here's Scott and Lisa Santee. We've had some people from this church go on a team to Cuba with them and to other places where they provide clean water through unique little filtering systems, but they also provide the message of the living water of Jesus Christ. This is Nicasio and Valerie. Nicasio grew up in Huron. We graduated together. She's a missionary down near Oaxaca, Mexico. And, uh, you know, we think of Mexico as being Spanish-speaking. The the, the group of people they reach out to speak, ready for this, Chiatone, Zapotec. There are about 3,000 indigenous languages within Mexico where their heart language is something other than Spanish, and they translate, they're translating the Bible right now into that language. Uh, this is Dan and Sarah Stelzer, our newest missionaries to Central Asia. I can't even say the country because I'm not allowed. I can't say it publicly for fear that they will ha- face reprisal. But they are helping to reach out to college students and to young men and women. And let me just say thank you for the way you've been able to, to, to uh, donate to the Crisis Fund. We've, we have partners on the border of Poland and Ukraine, helping Ukrainian refugees as they come across. We even have been able to provide some help inside of Ukraine through these special mission agencies. At the end of next week, we'll have sent around $50,000. Thank you for your generosity. That crisis fund is still open to generate to by, by the way. Now, now let me end with these, these two, with these two ideas. On the left you have Burundi, on the right you have India. The chapel has adopted two villages in the world. We can't do everything, but we can do something. The village in Burundi was started about eight years ago, India about five years ago. Uh, India is, uh, in Burundi, we've reached out to a group of people called Batwa. They are pygmies. In India, it's a group of tribal people. We've not been to the village in India yet. We've been to India nearby, but we can't go to the village because of... uh, uh, Hindu extremism and radicalism. It's a very dangerous thing to be there. But we've been to Burundi. Let me, let me just, I want to show you a couple videos, just for, just for a few moments. Like I said, about eight years, we walked into Burundi, into this little village called Buganyuzi, with these pygmies. They live in these grass huts. A village of maybe 1,000 people. The, infant, the annual infant mortality rate was about 70 kids per year. Now just think about that for a moment. Because of lack of medicine, lack of food, distended bellies, orange hairs. If you're medical, you get that. But the chapel, out of its funding, we've been able to fund both of these adoptive villages. And the things that have happened there medically, educationally, uh, nutritionally, and, and, and sharing the Bible has been... Remarkable. Um, about a month ago, I was finally in Burundi after three years of COVID or two and a half years of COVID, keep, keeping us from going there. We visited. We visited the village in Burundi, and uh, it's remarkable the changes that have happened there. One of the things the chapel has provided is a community center, and that community center is going to be used for training people to to learn uh, different skills, different uh, skills, so they can uh, build their own businesses. When we got there, none of that was happening. I want to show you a video that, that our friends in Burundi actually put together. It goes very quick. Some of the images are very fast. It starts with a soccer game. We dedicated this community center provided by the chapel. And all the dignitaries from Burundi came for this. It started with a soccer game that day. And then it ended with uh, the, a dedication of the, ceremony of, the, of the community center itself. Well, I just want to show it to you. Here we go. That's Harvest Initiatives, our partner. Those creepy hands are uh, actually supposed to represent care. see. Thank you. Uh, you saw the, uh, the, bur- the burning little, there was a, they did a skit for us. The, the, the grass huts would burn down. The water would come in, they would burn down. Um, this is a picture uh, on the, uh, let's see, uh, let me show you the, the, the sorry. Upper left hand side, how mountainous it is there. You can see some houses there with uh, the shiny roofs. Those are all homes that have been funded by the chapel, like, you know, $500 house they build them on the lower right hand side we were able to buy a field was there 3 years ago or 3 years ago and it was just a fallow unplowed field and with hoes they they shaped that field and now it's a lush rice field and on the upper left hand side that's the community center on the lower right there's some ladies learning how to sew. They'll, they'll they'll develop a business out of that. There's another room used for teaching young men how to build things. Uh, some of the guys are being sent to uh, school, but the transformation is remarkable. But thank you for your funding. That's all a result of the chapels' funding, our partners there, and the work of the Holy Spirit. But let me um, show you. Uh, this is India. Todd and I had to go there. Some, had a chance to go there some years ago. Pastor Todd and I. Um, as I said, this is a tribal village, tucked away in the middle of nowhere. It's surrounded by four other villages. I wanna just, I'm gonna show you a video here in a second. It's too hard to read some of the numbers, especially if you're in the back. What you're gonna read are, uh, in this past year, 756 people have been reached, out with, reached with the gospel, 14 new believers, 120 uh, New Testaments distributed, 74 youth attended a leadership development program, 452 children are being discipled through children's gospel clubs, a water well was dedicated that you provided. Uh, two widows were chosen to receive low-cost housing. Hundreds have learned how to handle finances, learned important health and safety measures, and more. And also, just last week, the, uh, the Life Center, they call it, their community center, uh, built by you, built by them, uh, was developed. And that's where they're going to learn trades and where the church will meet. Let's watch this video. Grateful for uh, that's Pastor Prasad Rao on the left. He's the one who has helped plant the church there. But the impact in that region is absolutely remarkable. So that's all I have to share about that. The answer to the to the question now what? It's we don't have to. We know the answer to that. It's simply this: we are to be his witnesses, nearby and far away. Now here we are at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one. Just for a moment, as we conclude, let me just take you to the very last chapter, chapter 28. But not just to the last chapter, but to the last verse in the last chapter. But not just to the last verse, to the very last word penned by Luke, the author. And the word is this, unhindered. Another word for this might be unstoppable. You know, the, the, the book of Acts, it's, it's called that because it's the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church, but it can also be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working together with the Church to expand the gospel of Jesus, the kingdom of God, around the world, right into this room. And as we read through, as we read through the, the book of Acts, you're going you're gonna to read about followers being in chains, and imprisoned. And at times you might even wonder, like, how does all this end? We know how it ends. One day Jesus is going to come again. Between this day and that day, what we're told is that the gospel is unstoppable. It is unhindered. And we get to be a part of that. The chapel gets to be a part of that movement. Here, there, where you live, everywhere. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the privilege of representing you nearby and far away. Would you help us as individual followers of Christ to be on board with your command, to be your witnesses everywhere? Help us as a church to be on board with being your witness everywhere. Thank you. We want to be a part of this movement, this unstoppable, unhindered movement that one day will culminate with the return of Jesus himself. Please help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it was good to share some of that good news with you. Please participate in the reading schedule that's in your bulletin or online, and we'll prepare for next week, Acts chapter 2. Have a great day. I can see The water's raging at my feet I can feel the breath of those surrounding me I can hear the sound of nations rising up we will not be